All right, take the scripture, if you would, please, and turn to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 3. I will not get finished tonight, but I will get further along. We've been talking about the chronological history of the house of God. In Matthew 21, I read you a verse of scripture where Jesus talked and quoted Isaiah, Make not my father's house a den of thieves. And he was talking about a tangible, physical house on the Temple Mount, here on this earth. And then a few hours later, he said, in my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. He was not talking about a physical house here on this earth. He was talking about a tangible house, also called the New Jerusalem. It is in heaven now but it descends out of heaven, where, and that's where we'll spend for all eternity. There, there are still some unanswered prayers in heaven. There are still some memories in heaven. So you're not going to live in heaven forever. You, there'll be a new heaven, there'll be a new, new earth created. You will live in the new Jerusalem. And I suggest you study all about that home, that house, that you're going to live in for all eternity, and don't let anyone ever replace that house. And so we have this foundation. It starts with God, the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, together as one in the new Jerusalem in heaven. It's eternal, it, it, it past and forward. And then it was brought to this earth, a physical house. It didn't leave up there, but a house was started down here by Melchizedek. And we studied who Melchizedek was in Salem. And then Abraham ran into Melchizedek. Their paths crossed, and Abraham built an altar. And then we have Jacob doing the same thing. And then we have Moses and Aaron building a tabernacle, and they pitched it up and down for 40 years. It crossed the Jordan River. And then it was set up in Shiloh, where it was there for 300 and 69 years. Now, so far, that's the history of the house of God, starting up there, coming to earth, and we've got it all the way up into Shiloh. Now, let's look here in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou artest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Obviously, in the local sense, a church, if they preach the word of God, have the word of God, and two or more believers and called out, they would qualify as a house of God. In the corporate sense, the bride of Christ, in that sense, the house of God will be all of those who've been born again, all of those who believe by faith. Every one of them will be in the new Jerusalem. Abel's going to be there. Adam is going to be there. Noah's going to be there. I saw Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Mark, Luke, and Timothy. All believers are going to be there. The prophets, the apostles, their names are on the foundation and upon the gates. We join them, it's always Jew first, to the Jew first, to the Jew first. We're the also, and also to the Gentiles, or also to the Greek. You can take the word also out of many verses of Scripture. Grammatically, it would be perfect, but it's in there for a reason. The Lord made, God made coats of skin for Adam and 
also unto Eve his wife. You could take the word also out. It still reads all right. Romans 1.16, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You could take the also out. It would still be grammatically correct, but there's a reason also is in there. We're the add-ons. You see, there'd be no Eve if there was no Adam. He was first. You wouldn't be saved if those Jews hadn't got saved first. You, this church is here as a result of what I am teaching. Behave in the house of God. Be what you have. Have this. You can't be it if you don't have it. It's got to be a part of you. Don't let anybody separate you and say, that's them, this is now. No, it is unbroken. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Real quickly, if you would, please, go to, um, go to John chapter 1, verse 1. And I'm going to pick up this house of God in just a moment. But I want to see you how God's word is very consistent. Genesis 1.1 starts off, in the beginning, God. Fourth word, God, Elohim, or God in plural. God manifesting himself as more than one person. John 1.1, in the beginning was the word. And again, the uppercase W. And the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning, and what's that next word? And you see with God in verse 1, you see with God in verse 2. Now that's in the New Jerusalem. And we're going to be with him. But now I want you to look at verse 14. And the word, and by the way, who's the word? Jesus. Was made flesh. I'm going to misread this verse. See if your spirit catches the mistake. And then I want you to correct it. Audibly together. And the word was made flesh and dwelt with us. Among us. Okay, so that's down here. How many of you see the consistency of this part of doctrine? These words are extremely important. Your soul will miss it. Your spirit will catch it. If you've read it, because the Holy Spirit can bring it to mind again. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Now, go to Mark chapter 1. Those who teach the erroneous, false doctrines of man and devils called dispensations or dispensationalism. Neither one of those two words are in Scripture. Dispensation is in there four times. It's not referring to a time bracket where God dealt differently with different people. It is referring to a portion, a disbursement, a dispense of Scripture. God gave a portion to this writer, a portion to that writer, until John penned the book of Revelation. And then we got it all that God wants us to have. We neither add to nor take away. Now, let me just prove to you from the Gospels that dispensations is wrong. Mark 1.1. 1, 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, say the next phrase. Thank you. As it is written in the prophets. Can you take what the prophets wrote and lead someone to Christ? 
Can you prove Jesus as the rock, the angel, wonderful, counselor, mighty God, prince of peace? Do you understand what Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 1 through 4? Who hath gathered the wind in his fist? Who hath gathered the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? I know what his name is. His name is God. Next question he asks in verse 4 of Proverbs 30, what's his son's name? If thou canst tell. They didn't preach something different. There's no such thing as a plan A, plan B, plan C for salvation. Go if you would to Galatians chapter 3, verse 8. Now, I'm saying this because of the house of God. You cannot separate it from what we are. Behave. Have it. Be it. Display it. Galatians 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Ooh. Somebody trying to pull the wool over somebody's eyes with doctrines of devils. Bewitched. Hmm. I'll skip down to verse 8. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached, I'm going to misread it, on purpose. Catch the mistake, correct it out loud. Galatians 3.8. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the works for salvation, excuse me, unto whom, thank you. Do you know Abraham lived before Moses? 500 years before Moses wrote, and God was preaching the gospel back then, and the prophets preached it. And the house of God contained believers. Behave. Now, I left off in Shiloh, so let's go back there and take a look at it. We got the house of God out of the, out of the wilderness and across the Jordan River into uh, Shiloh and Samuel and his daddy. But I want you to see Samuel's mama because she went to the house of God too. I do not want to leave the ladies out because there's much you can learn from this. And by the way, if Abraham is our spiritual father... Ladies, listen to me carefully. I want, next time you read 1 Peter 3, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, listen to the next phrase in Scripture, whose daughters ye are. You have many examples. Don't let somebody sever you from these examples that you have that are contained in the prophets. And we see here in 1 Samuel chapter number 1, Hannah was obeying a meek and quiet spirit before it was written in detail because she went to the house of God and only her lips moved. Amen. That's well, pretty quiet. <laughs> but she did have a meek and quiet spirit. 1 Samuel 1, 7. And he did so uh, year by year. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the, what's the next phrase? House of the Lord. Behave. She had one. You have one. Yours is here because of hers. We're a continuation of that. Uh, go down to verse 17. 
Then Eli answered and said, he's speaking to Hannah, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. Where did she ask for this child? In the house of God. The altar is very important, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not saying God can't hear prayer anywhere. He can. But he certainly designates his house as a house of prayer. He does that. Now, look, if you would, go down to verse number 19. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord. Remember, they're in the house of the Lord. And returned and came to their house. How many of you see that they were in the house of the Lord? Worshipping. And then skip to verse 24. And when she had weaned him, little Samuel, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto, next phrase, the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. Now, do you know that Samuel anointed Saul, but he also anointed David? And from David comes Solomon. From Solomon comes Joseph, the surrogate father of Jesus. Also from David and Bathsheba, they had another son named Nathan. From Nathan comes Mary, the mother of Jesus. And you can find this in the book of Matthew and in the book of Luke. You can trace both of their genealogies. I'm glad that Hannah was in the house of the Lord. How many of you want God to bless your children? How about your grandchildren? Should he, Terry, how about your great-grandchildren? I suggest you hit this altar and ask God to do so like Hannah did because God did answer her prayer. All right, so it's in Shiloh for 369 years. Now it's in the scripture, after that, it's going to be taken into Jerusalem. Go to 1 Kings chapter 5. The, David captured Jerusalem from the Jebusites in about 1000 BC. His son Solomon's going to build the temple there about 950 BC. David's going to gather all the materials for it. And Solomon builds it, and there are several chapters that talk about this. 1 Kings chapter 5, and it still has the exact same name, the house of the Lord or the house of God. I'm going to give these real fast, so try to stay up. 1 Kings chapter 5, verse number 5, Behold, Solomon speaking, And behold, I purpose to build an house unto the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord spake unto David my father, thy son whom I will set upon thy throne in thy room, he shall build an house unto my name. Go to chapter 6, look at verse number 11. The word of the Lord came unto Solomon, saying, concerning this house which thou art building. Verse 13, I'm going to misread it, catch the mistake and correct it. It's God speaking. And I will dwell with, see the consistency down here? This is why no dwelling down here should ever outshine the one up there. And I know places where this is happening. You cannot, I asked a man one time, and I said, this is not a trick question, but I'm going to prove something here. And his wife was with him. And I asked, do you love your wife more than you love God? You know what his answer was? I love my wife. 
I didn't ask that question. Why did he answer that way? Afraid of his wife? <laughs> Afraid of her emotion, her soul, saying, what's the matter? Don't you love me? Do you see how teachers having itching ears can creep in? Tell them what they want to hear? I said, I didn't ask that, sir. I asked this question. Do you love your wife more than you love God? The correct answer is no. Now, ladies, before your emotions kick in and you go and gossip and say, he said he didn't love me. He didn't say that. Words are important. I can explain to you why you want your husband to answer that way if you'll give me a chance and not write it off and not give me the rolling of the, the, the huffs, the rolling of the eyes. I can't believe that. What kind of question is that? A very appropriate question. Because it's the first and greatest commandment. Thou shalt love whom? The Lord thy God. Now, let me explain to you, ladies. You want a husband who loves God more than he loves you. I didn't say he did not love you. God will teach him how to love you more than he ever could without God. But let me create a scenario that if your husband loved you more than God and he elevated a woman above God, what do you think is going to happen when you're not there and another woman has a little too much perfume on or twirls her skirt or brushes up against him and you're not there? Don't you want him to love God with all of his heart and mind and soul? And both genders can be fooled on this. You cannot elevate the local house of God above the eternal house of God. I did not say you shouldn't love the local house of God. I don't care what it is. If you put it ahead of God's word, which he magnifies above his name, Psalm 138, you'll lose even that which you have. Now do you understand how a falling away can happen? A wise and conceits, we get enamored with ourselves and what we're doing. God is true. And everybody else is not. His word is true. We must conform unto it. So we see this house of God in chapter 6, verse 11. You'll see it in verse 14. So Solomon built the house of God and finished it. Go to um, uh, verse 37. 1 Kings 6, verse 37. In the fourth year was the foundation of the house of the Lord laid. Chapter 8, 1 Kings chapter 8. I'm going to go quickly here. Verse 1, assembled. Verse 2, assembled. Verse 4, congregation. Verse 5, congregation, assembled. Verse 6, the oracle, that's the word of God, of the house. Verse 10, the house of the Lord. Verse 11, the house of the Lord. Verse 13, built in house. Verse 14, congregation. 
Verse 16, and house. Verse 17, and house. Verse 18, and house. Verse 19, the house. Verse 20, and house. Verse 22, congregation. Verse 26, thy word. Verse 27, this house. Verse 29, this house. This place, verse 29. This place, verse 30. Uh, prayers were made. Certain promises were made when they prayed at that place. Write Second Chronicles chapter 7 and turn there real quickly. They're very specific. Again, it's not God can hear anywhere, but to those people who say, well, you don't have to go to the house of the Lord to go to heaven. No, but you do to be spiritual. And you're in rebellion if you don't. And God made specific promises when you're in his house. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 12, The Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. Verse 14, If my people, those were saved Jews back then, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. It's attached to verse 15. Now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. Do you see how important the house of God was? Verse 16, last word. Or verse 16, for now have I chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. There's so many promises concerning that. Now you know why. It's not the wailing wall. They're not wailing. The enemies say that. Please, don't, don't say that. It's the western wall. They're not wailing. They're praying. They're praying for Messiah to come. They're praying for Jesus to come. They're calling him Messiah. They may not know him yet, but they are praying. When you pray for the peace of Jerusalem, you know what you're asking God to do? Send his son Jesus Christ and decapitate a 200 million man army and throw the false prophet and the Antichrist into the lake of fire and get on the throne in Jerusalem for a thousand years so that there'll be peace in Jerusalem. That's what we're praying. It's not a UN peace. It's according to God's word. Peace. That house was so very, very important. Abraham, I'm just giving you rough estimates here. If I thought, give me five minutes, I could give you exact years, but I don't have that much time. 2000 BC. His son, Jacob, uh, a hundred years later. Moses and Aaron, uh, 400 years later, the t tabernacle. Joshua, for 369 years after that. Then in about 1050 BC, David captures Jerusalem from the Jebusites, gathers the material, 950 roughly, Solomon builds this particular house. Almost... Uh, about 1,000 B.C., Solomon built this house. Now, it was there 
It suffered some destruction, 586 B.C., Babylonian captivity, rebuilt by Nehemiah, Ezra, Nethanim, Gentiles helped them do that. And then Herod the Great really built it huge. And after the Last Supper, they, Jesus took the disciples across the Kidron Valley up Mount of Olives. They turned around and the disciples were ooing and on about how great, magnificent those buildings were. And that's when Jesus said it's all coming down. And it did in 70 AD, and the Jews have not been able to reconstruct a temple since then. But what came through the wilderness was taken into Jerusalem first, so that Solomon could take that furniture from the tent tabernacle and build a structured place called a temple. Now I want you to look at something very carefully here. Because the dispensationalist, who is in error, and I invite every one of you who are listening to sit down and talk with me. Bring your whole gang. Bring your computers. I will be kind and gracious and allow you to sit on one side of the table. I will sit on the other with just my King James. All I ask is, whatever time you request, you give me the same amount of time to show you where that is an erroneous part of doctrines of devils. That's all I ask. But I want you to take a look at Scripture. Go to Acts chapter 7. Stephen's sermon, he's about to be stoned. He rehearses, as did Paul, the chronology of Jewish history and how God was good as I've been doing this week. Now I want you to notice something about what was brought in, and some places called the house of God, but I want you to see what it's called here in Acts chapter number 7. Let's look at verse 38. Stephen says, To whom our fathers would not obey, but thrust him from them, and in their hearts turned back again into Egypt, saying unto Aharon, Aaron, Make us gods to go before us. That's the golden calf and chorus story. For as for this Moses which brought us out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. Now I want you to skip back to verse 38. This is he that was in the, what is the next word? Would you please circle that word? And where was that church? Thank you. That is not a misprint. As one well-known preacher says, you can't transfix that back to the Old Testament. I didn't transfix anything. I just read it as it is recorded and interpreted by the Holy Ghost. There was a church in the wilderness. House of God. Behave. Jesus was there, not only as the angel of the Lord, but as the uppercase R. Rock. He was there. 
in that church in the wilderness. Look at verse 44. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness. Tabernacle and church, interchangeable. As he had appointed, speaking unto Moses, that he should make it according to the fashion. I already showed you that, the pattern that he had seen. Verse 45, which also our fathers that came after brought in, that's into Jerusalem, with whom? Can it be any more clear that Jesus was with them? Remember, I showed you that Abraham had the gospel preached unto him even before that. And that Jesus was with them. He is author and finisher, first, last, alpha, omega, beginning and end. He doesn't change. Same yesterday, today, and forever. Doctrine does not change in the word of God. Do not let a wolf creep in unawares and put you into a time bracket where, boy, I'm smart. They didn't know what I know. They knew a lot more than what we know. And it was recorded and reproved over and over and over again. But a born-again spirit who's being led by a soul or tradition won't catch those words. Your born-again spirit will catch them. Let me rephrase that. Your born-again spirit can catch them. But if your soul and tradition, you'll just read through that and you won't see it brought in with Jesus into the possession of the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers unto the days of David. With Jesus, with Jesus. Listen to me carefully. Jesus didn't start the church in Jerusalem. He started another one. The one that was there went south. He was rejected. He started another one. He went to that house of God. He began in Jerusalem. Beginning in Jerusalem, Scripture says that. Paul, every place he went to, he went to the synagogue. He's called to the Gentiles, but he always went to the synagogue. Before he took any one of his four journeys, he always went back to Jerusalem and started there. Jesus began there. He was 12 years of age. Remember his mom and dad left him? I remember we left one of my brothers one time. All five would sit in the back seat. Mom driving down the road, and she'd have roll call. Rick was in the middle. Dan, me, then Rick, Mike, and Dave. When she got to Rick, we imitated his voice as if he was in the car. <laughs> Mom just kept her. It would have dawned on her she left him. <laughs> he was at Grandma's house, still sitting out on the curb. We had to turn around, and drive back 15 miles. He was sitting there crying. We laughed. But anyway, that's what boys do. <laughs> you have a history. You have a foundation. Don't let someone destroy it. There's an ulterior motive if they can crack that foundation and not get you attached to it. You can be blown about with every wind of dark. Don't let that happen. Behave. Write Psalm 74 2, thy congregation which thou hast purchased of old was already bought by God. 
Jesus Christ slain before the foundation of the world. It's his. I've shown you these verses. Write them down. Hebrews 2.12, Psalm 22.22. That congregation is called a church. It is called a church again in Acts chapter 7. A church. Next, the house of, Scott, uh, house of God was still in Jerusalem during the time of Jesus. Go to Matthew 21. Built, destroyed, rebuilt, destroyed, rebuilt, destroyed, but still there in the same place. Now, that golden dome of the rock is there that the Muslims built in oh, probably the 6th century, 7th century. Um, the temple, that thing is 35 feet tall. The temple was 70 feet tall. It was twice as tall as that. It is ground zero. It is the pupil of the apple of God's eye. It, it will generate what some people call World War III. I call Armageddon. That place is that important. Matthew 21, verse number 12, Jesus went into the temple of God. Verse 13, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer. He calls it that. He's called, right, Isaiah 56, verse number 7, Jeremiah chapter 7, verses 11, 12, Ezekiel 44, verses 12 through 15. Look at Matthew 18, verse 17. Before that, he says something else. He called that place a house of God. He called it his father's house. Matthew 18, 17. Talk about when people can't get along, go together, one-on-one, take witnesses. Now look at verse 17. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the what? Well, if the church wasn't already in existence, how are you going to tell it to them? In Matthew 16, at Caesarea Philippi, Banyas Springs, Matthew 16, verse 13, Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi. Come with me. I'll take you to this place. It's, at, it, it, it's about halfway up Mount Hermon, the highest place in Israel. There's a spring comes bubbling out of the ground. It's the highest freshwater source in all of Israel. A couple hundred yards downstream, two other springs bubble up, and three become one, and it's called the Jordan River there. And he took him up there, and there's a cave over here to the right. There is a carving about uh, the size of your baptistry recessed into the granite face right here. It, has, it was there when Jesus took them there. And it has the uh, pagan god Pan carved into it. Uh, the god of all gods, the universal god, uh, Pan, pandemic, Pandora's box, Pan American Airlines. Uh, all-inclusive. Over here is a cave. 
In Jesus' day, there were a bunch of rough Gentiles, probably my relatives lived up there. They were cattle, they stole people's cattle, and they offered people as burnt sacrifices on grates inside the mouth of that cave to the pagan god of Pan. And so Jesus takes the disciples there, and they have this illustration. Now, pick up the conversation, verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they say, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, some Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Okay. A preacher, a good man. Verse 15. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Good answer, amen? Would you write Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13 there? Verse 17, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee. In other words, Jeremiah had it first. That thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So some people say that's where the church started. He didn't say start the church. He said build the church. Amen. We already got a church in the wilderness in chronological order. What are you going to do with that verse? Build, not start. Same in Acts. Added to, not start. Already in existence. Peter, you answered correctly. As the prophets who preached the gospel. You answered correctly. I will build. Pastor, are you finished building this church? Would you like to see more people get saved? Would you like the Lord to keep adding to it? So it's not a one and done, is it? Build is a verb. A continuing process. We're not isolated. We're connected all the way back to the New Jerusalem, and that's where we're going to end up. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Do you mind if I refute a critic real quick? They're not here. My wife says, honey, just don't enjoy it when you do that. I've said a lot of times, people say, Brother Sharp, i got a bone to pick with you. I say, get in line. There's 200 people ahead of you. <laughs> Wait your turn, please. I will talk with you. I do answer my phone. But don't be rude. Uh, you can't have a church unless you've got baptized believers. I was waiting for that question. I'm so glad you brought it up. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant. How that, what's the next word? Would you circle that, please? Our fathers were under the cloud, and what's the next word? All passed through the seas, verse 2, and were, what's the next word? And what's the next word? Thank you very much. 
Now try to tell me they weren't baptized. Go ahead, go against that. I'm speaking to my critic. I'm not speaking to you folks. And we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual, uppercase R, rock, that followed them, and that rock was good works. Who was that rock? And were they all baptized? And did they all partake? Did they all drink? Do you understand why now Stephen could say, church in the wilderness? Behave. Quit misbehaving. And trying to put God in boxes that he's different. He changes not. He's consistent. You have a godly heritage. You have a most sure foundation. And it goes all the way back to in the beginning. When you got saved, not only did you get everlasting life from the moment of salvation forward, you got eternal life, John 3.15 and 3.16. They're two different words. Everlasting, from the moment you got saved, everlasting, eternal. <laughs> it goes both directions. Because our life is hid in Christ, and he is absolutely eternal, and so was theirs. It's the same Jesus, not a different Jesus. It's the same gospel, not a different gospel. And if you want to be an effective, powerful witness, not only to the Hebrews, not only to the Israelis, but to all mankind, I suggest that we be accurate with God's words so the Holy Ghost can use those words. Because he does not use feigned, synonym, Protestant, religious terminology. They're not inspired, God's words are. The Jerusalem house of God will be built again. Go to Zechariah chapter 1. I get asked about this quite often. All of the furniture is completed. When we used to go to the Temple Institute, when the red-haired rabbi Yehuda Glick, Yehuda, if you get the chance to watch this, shalom, my friend. He's a direct descendant of King David. He and I have sat down together numerous times. He employed an Arab who about three years ago said, Yehuda, i got to do this, and the Arab pulled out a gun, shot him four times, point blank. And Yehuda lived. He's a member of Knesset, but he also was instrumental in getting all the furniture built for the next temple. You pray for Yehuda. We have some very interesting conversations. There will be another temple built. Zechariah chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, Therefore thus saith the Lord, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. My house shall be built in it. Saith the Lord of hosts, And a line shall be stretched forth upon Jerusalem. Please get my book, if the foundation be destroyed. Look at the cover. Look at that plumb line that's coming down. Oh, I wish I had time to show you the city four square. 
the new Jerusalem? Help me. Mike, help me. Put a chair right there, Mike, and one right behind it. Put a chair right there and one right behind it. And then one right behind it against the choir rail. Okay, the new Jerusalem is a city four square. If I had a plumb line, I could square every one of those corners. How's the foundation, man? If I had four teenagers just holding that line going this way, I could level it. I wouldn't need a level. I could square it. And when it, when it was square, this would be square with that or that or that. Now you can have the same distance from here to here and there to there and here to here and there to there and it not be square. If you've ever laid out a ball diamond, you can have the correct distance from home to first, first to second, second, third, third to home, but it won't be square. What measurement do you have to take to square it? Carpenters? You've got to take a diagonal measurement. But you, it can be squared. New Jerusalem City, four square. Square one. Saints of old, before Jesus' birth. Square two. Saints after his resurrection. Square three. Tribulation saints. Square four. Millennial reign saints. And you get my commentary on Revelation and I'll show you all four groups inside the New Jerusalem. Each square with another and with God. That's the plumb line that comes down and starts. That's the house of God. It squares up. This one is not apart from the other. None of them are apart from the others. Don't let somebody teach you that. Behave. All right, let me get to the end. I showed you that new temple going to be built. Zechariah chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Last part of verse 17, the Lord shall yet choose Jerusalem. That's why we always keep our eyes on Jerusalem. All saints are a part of and spend eternity in the final house of God, the tabernacle, one fold, the bride, the lamb's wife. Go to Hebrews chapter 2. I'll be, go quickly through some verses and then I'll be finished. Thought I'd get an amen when I said I'd be finished. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. Would you write the New Jerusalem there? His fold, his sheep, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church. I showed you Psalm 22.22. Write that down. It's a direct quote. Psalm 22.22, it says congregation. Here it says church. So this house of God, the church of the living God, 
is also the new Jerusalem. And we're going to be there for all eternity. Go to Ephesians 2. You're going to be there with all of the saints that there has ever been. This is our future. This is our home. When I read the prophets, it's very personal to me. Because this is the family I've been placed into. I didn't have the privilege of sitting at a table and listening to my father. My father was a drunk. I saw him six times. I don't know what it's like to have a dad say grace at a table. I never heard my mother sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. I determined I'd be that type of a father, and I'd marry a girl who would sing that. And I'm not belittling my family. I'm just saying that I have a personal relationship with these people in the Scripture. I'm there by faith. It's very personal to me, and I hope it is to you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 12. That at the time you were without Christ, these are Gentiles at Ephesus, being aliens. Brother Sharp, you seen an alien? No. You ever seen an angel? I've seen a lot of people who were not. Believe in aliens? No. Roswell? New Mexico, late 40s, I don't know, nine months after that, Hillary Clinton was born. <laughs> Al Gore, Barney Frank, anyway. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope. How many of you see we were, we were without? We are an outside from Israel. Without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, ye Gentiles who were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one, saints of old and us, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition, verse 16, that he might reconcile both unto God, saints of old and us, in one body by the cross. They look forward to it, we look back. Verse 17, and came and preached peace to you, Gentiles, which were far off, and to them that were nigh, Jews, for through him we both, have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore, ye Gentiles, are no more strangers and foreigners. This is talking about from those saints of old. But look at the next. But fellow citizens. How many of you see fellow citizens as two words? Or one word, I mean. You can make it two words and still read all right. You're so close, it's one word. Fellow citizens. With the saints and of the, here it is, household of God. My Father's house. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Verse 21. In whom all the building, look at here at the four chairs, New Jerusalem, all the building fitly framed together, square one with another, groweth into an holy temple, right, New Jerusalem, in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Now, go to Revelation 21. We'll look at this final house of God. Here's where you're headed. 
where you are headed. This is the city Abraham was looking for. Revelation 21, verse 1, I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. How many of you see the good thing? We don't stay in heaven forever and ever and ever, okay? And I, John, saw the holy city, right? Isaiah 24, verses 1 through 6. Psalm 102, 25, 26. Zephaniah 131. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God, out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Isaiah 61, verses 8 through 10. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, with men. We finally get to be with him, and he with us. Wow. Your, your faith will be sight. You'll see him. You'll be like him. You'll see him as he is. You'll be there. Verse, uh, dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. That's when all the tears get wiped away. It's not in heaven. It's in the new Jerusalem. Um. Go down to verse 9. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked to me, saying, Come hither, I'll show thee the bride. The Lamb's like, Gentile bride, he comes. That's uh, all believers. It's all believers. Verse 10. He carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. Showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem. How many of you see that the holy Jerusalem is the bride? I hear people saying what the bride is. I'd do the same thing John was said to John. Come, I'll show you who the bride is. Come, let me show you. That's what the angel said. Come hither, I'll show thee the bride. The great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious. It's such a wonderful place. Verse 23, Revelation 21, 23, The city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it. The Lamb is the light thereof. All you kids, listen to me. There's no night in the New Jerusalem. You will never hear these words. It's time to go to bed. Now, we old people, we like to hear those words. But a glorified body won't need to hear those words. Verse 25, the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day. No night there. They shall bring the glory and honor of the nations unto it. There shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. You can continue reading on. I close by quick review. That city has always been there. A plumb line brought it down. A pattern. Melchizedek, Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, David, Solomon. Other patterns were made. 
and built and fashioned by the hand of man. Synagogues, churches. All who get born again by faith from the past to the last one end up in God's house. The new Jerusalem. Don't let anybody take that from you. Have that. Have the scriptures. That will give you the utmost security in eternity past and eternity future. And then you'll be amazed what God can reveal unto you. But you have to behave. You have to have it, and then you have to be it and teach it. Father, bless the lesson, the message tonight. May your strength be made perfect in our weakness. Help us to draw nigh unto you and to your words, knowing that you will draw nigh unto us. Thank you for teaching us things. Thank you for threading truth throughout the scriptures as it is written, as it is written, as it is written. May our spirit catch the feigned words as being false and subtle. And may our spirit be taught the inspired words. Their heads bowed and their eyes closed. How many, again, by way of uplifted hand, would indicate, Brother Sharp, I learned something tonight, or God solidified something. God answered some questions, something like that. He spoke to you. If that's your testimony, can you lift your hand? His glory and praise. God bless you. Thank you. you. May put your hands down. If there be one or two tonight, say, Preacher, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure I'm in. I'm not sure I'm in, graft in with these others. I'm not sure I'm going to end up in the New Jerusalem. I want to go to hell. I don't want to end up in Lake of Fire. Brother Sharp, it makes sense. I believe in Jesus Christ. I'm not saved. I doubt it. I struggle with it. I want to be saved. Would you pray a prayer? For me, if that's you, friend, slip your hand up big and high. Let me see it. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Somebody else. All right. You that brought the children tonight, open your eyes and look. You children, raise your hand again. You that brought them, take a look and help us out during the invitation, okay? All right, let's all stand, please. Head up, eyes open. Our associate pastor is going to be standing down here. Am I correct in saying that? All right, if you need to be saved, just come and say, I'd like to be saved. You haven't been baptized since you've been saved. How many of you have been, been saved? How many of you have been baptized since you've been saved? How many of you have not been baptized yet? All right, you need to do that. You need to come and talk. How many of you are members of this church? How many of you are not a member of any church? It'd be a good idea. If I lived here, I'd join tonight. I promise you that. I've never been a day not being a member of a local church since I've been saved, well, since three days after I got saved. But you come tonight. If you need to talk to God, 